3: With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: We are off and running on a Thursday night, a packed house here at the Circa Sportsbook. That's Scott Seidenberg. I'm Tim Murray. We've got ourselves Game 2 of the NBA Finals, and as we join you... It is an 8-0 run by the Phoenix Suns, and the Suns now enjoying an eight-point lead, 49 to 41, here at Circa. Your live line: Suns minus six and a half. And as they flash it up on the uh, on the telecast, there, Chris Middleton. He is such a a Jekyll and Hyde. I wouldn't call him mm-hmm. superstar, but you know, star. Very good player. Had a great game one. Really kept the Bucks in it, and he can't hit anything tonight. Right now. Chris Middleton in this game, just two of eight from the field. Uh, Drew Holiday's struggles from the field continue, just three for 12. And the story really in this game, Scott, has been the three-point shooting from the Phoenix Suns. That in the first quarter kept them in it. They are 10 for 21 in this game from three and uh, they have themselves a, a nice seven-point lead and trying to stretch it here uh, in this uh, second
6: quarter. Yeah, and you expected them to be better from three-point range in this game after Devin Booker was, what, one of, eight one of eight in game one, and Jay Crowder was O of five. So you really did expect them to be better here in game two, but they are shooting lights out right now, uh, almost 50% from three-point range. And conversely, we expected the Bucks to, at least I did, expected the Bucks to have a drop-off, uh, considering how well they shot in Game 1 compared to how poorly they've shot from 3 throughout this entire postseason. They are struggling right now from deep. Uh, 4 of 14 from beyond the arc here so far in Game 2.
5: Yeah, and I thought the Bucks. if you watched that first quarter, I thought they dominated the game. Uh, they really did everything that they wanted to do. DeAndre Ayton was a non-factor, but the three-pointers kept... The the Suns in that game eight for fourteen. I should say in the quarter mm-hmm. eight for fourteen from three in that first quarter. The Bucks outscored the Suns twenty to nothing in the paint and had a three point lead at yeah. that at the end of the first quarter. I mean, you know that was uh, I wouldn't say an indication, but the Suns were able to stay in it and uh, they have just been terrific from three, and that's been the story here in this game. And you know Giannis uh, looks himself to an extent. But there were multiple, possess- small breakdowns so far. We'll certainly get more into this, uh, but small breakdowns, Scott, in this game. You know, P.J. Tucker not boxing out Devin Booker on a three-point attempt. Booker gets the rebound, leads to another three-pointer. It has been these small breakdowns by the Bucks that you just can't afford in a situation uh, like the Bucs are in right now and it's a you know it's an 8 point lead for for the Phoenix Suns as they continue just to bury threes all over the place.
6: Are you impressed with the adjustments at least that the Bucs have made I defensively am. because they really are not switching on the pick and rolls. Ayton has done nothing here in this first half and it's really it's the three point shooting that's keeping the Suns in this game. That's the only reason but beyond that you know, it, it's taking a lights out three point performance for them to have this lead right now because the Bucks have really done a nice job adjusting. Something that they didn't do at all in Game One. There was zero in game adjustments from Mike Budenholzer.
5: This is a different defensive scheme, though. It seems in Game Two. And there's just it has to be frustrating uh, if you're the Milwaukee Bucks because you are playing well defensively, but you are just horrific from 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 the field right now. You can't get anything. Drew Holiday struggles. From the field, you know, this was a a play I I talked about on the show, ultimately didn't. He could get there. He's Mm -hmm. been aggressive here tonight, uh, but he has just been absolutely terrible from the field. I believe he's, you know, three for 14. Uh, He is playing well defensively, as you mentioned. I, I do like the aggressiveness uh, because what Chris Paul was doing in game one was he was just pinpointing whoever he wanted, yeah. and he would just get that switch, and he would either take advantage of it by hitting that mid-range jumper, b- driving by uh, as we had a, a collision, and Giannis is down, slow to get up. Uh, so we'll see what that call is as there's 49 seconds to go in the second quarter. So I think the game plan has actually been pretty solid for the Bucks. They just haven't been able to execute offensively. Yeah, and that play right there,
6: part of the concern here with Giannis is all it takes is one collision yeah. like that and you're really holding your breath to make sure that knee is okay.
5: We'll get you updated on all of the player props, where you stand on those. We did have an over just seven minutes into the game, Uh, so if you had that particular player prop, uh, you're a happy person. Uh, We'll we'll see how this all plays out. Let's get it rolling, though. It's the night the nightcap here on v Tim Murray and Scott Seidenberg with you as uh, we are in the closing seconds of the first half and the Phoenix Suns trying to increase their lead their ball movement has been uh, very impressive and they've been able to uh, just three pointers have been the story uh, in this first half for both teams and uh, I, I get a lot of credit uh, we talked about it a little bit with, uh, with the execution defensively but you know the Suns have had answers, and the three pointers are keeping them in it. And I, I'm very curious what the second half line is going to be, Scott. I, I do wonder if if this was an ultimately deflating half yeah. for the Milwaukee Bucks because I, I thought they played pretty well, and now they're down double digits, likely heading into mm-hmm. the locker room. This is this second quarter was. Uh, absolutely dreadful offensively for the Bucks, and they find themselves now down double digits. So last game, last game in
6: game one, the Suns had what was it? A four-point lead at the half, or well, no, four-four. Yeah. yeah, and then the second half line was no, no it was a five-point lead. The second half line was one yep. for them to cover the six, yep. right? And, and so, if you're looking at this lead right now, uh, honestly, I want to say that the Bucks would be favored. No, oh, they will, but. I don't know if you can, based on what you saw here in, in this second quarter. Bucks will definitely be a favorite. And I think probably a couple points. Um, you yeah, know, I think, I, I, it's yeah. gonna based on what you saw here in this second quarter. Take the Suns plus the points in the second half. So
5: fifty six to forty five, we head into the locker room. Just a absolutely abysmal second quarter from the Milwaukee Bucks from the field, and yeah, they go into the locker room down by eleven. And Chris Middleton, where is he? You know, I mean, this is a guy, this is an all-star, this is one of the players that you have built your future around. He's had big games. He's 2 for 10 in the first half. He has 4 points. I mean, it, it's it's wild the lack of consistency from Chris Middleton for the Bucks and then you look at uh, Drew Holiday, 3 for 14. Those two combined, Scott, in the first half as mm-hmm. we hit the locker uh, they hit the locker rooms to go 5 for 24. You're not winning. I thought the defensive effort was actually there for the Bucks. I, I thought the defensive execution, for the most part, was there. Uh, but 11 of 24, the Suns at the half from from three, and your two other non-Yana stars that helped carry the water in games five and six to get you here mm-hmm. have been miserable. Well, what you're seeing right
6: now is an under game this uh this game i mean based off the second half perfor- second quarter performance from the bucks but just 101 at the end of the first half and we saw this total tim rise mm-hmm. actually from where it opened up at 219 i believe you got it early
5: at a, at a higher number i played under 210 uh, 221 and a yeah. half right uh on uh, on tuesday night uh-huh. after right after a- the game right after the game and it went down as low as Yes, two, you know, it
6: was 219
5: uh and then it went back up To 221,
6: Um, I actually took the over because, you know, I I thought that Phoenix would shoot like they're shooting in this game right now. I did not expect Milwaukee to shoot this poorly. Four of 16 from three-point range and taking ill-advised three-pointers. They passed up some some interesting opportunities to shoot some bad threes here in this uh, first half. So I expected a better shooting performance from the Suns. But certainly not this bad of a shooting performance from the Bucks, which is why I took the over in this game. Second half line, do you have it right now, Tim? Bucks minus two. And what's the total?
5: Uh, One twelve. You like the over or the under? Um, I would, I'd probably lean towards the over. You yeah. wouldn't think that the uh, the Bucks would shoot as dreadfully, uh, but you know that said, the Suns shot forty six point eight percent from the field mm-hmm. and uh, eleven of twenty four from three. I, I would lean over. Um, the curiosity is, is what do you do with the Bucks in this spot? Do you, do you lay the two points, so plus nine for the full game? Or do you think that this is a similar situation to what we saw in game one where the, the Suns just run and hide? Uh, remember the stat. The Suns are unbeaten this postseason, 12-0, when owning a double-digit lead at any point mm-hmm. in a game. They are up 11 at the half. I mean, this was, like I said, the first quarter to me, was a very impressive quarter by the Milwaukee Bucks. The three-point shooting kept Phoenix in it going 8 of 14. The second quarter was just a catastrophe offensively for yeah. the, uh, by the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, just awful. And to go into the locker room with Drew Holiday at 3 of 14, Chris Middleton 2 for 10. By the way, every time Giannis shoots a 3, it's a victory. No matter if it goes in, because that's what you want to do. They are baiting him. We saw that in the Brooklyn series. They want more than anything. Giannis to shoot threes, he shot two, and I believe both led to rebounds and runouts for the Phoenix Suns, so an 11-point lead for the Phoenix Suns, uh, I I took the points with the Bucs, uh, we talked about it yesterday, I grabbed the five, and I, I was loving the first quarter, I thought, mm-hmm. okay, this is what you expected to see, you know, a zig and zag type of situation, uh, I didn't necessarily think they'd win this game, but the plus five I really liked, and uh, this this that second quarter, I yeah. it'd be very interesting to see Scott how they respond to this because. Uh, that was a take-the-wind-out-of-your-sails type mm-hmm. of
6: quarter. Yeah, I went the other way with it. I've been on the Suns since before this series started, and I went with the Suns minus the four-and-a-half. I went with the over as well, and that's not looking good and probably going to take a miracle for that to hit. Uh, it's going to be highly highly doubtful that that over-221 uh, does come into play here. But the reason why I love the Suns was because I expected them, like I keep mentioning, to shoot better from three-point range than what they did in game one. Uh, Devin Booker was one of eight, and I expected him to shoot much better from three-point range today. He is so far. And I think Monty Williams has outcoached Uh, Mike Budenholzer so far in this series. I know it's only been one game, but he's outcoached him. And I thought that they would look at the adjustments that happened, uh, that would happen here in game one. And then Chris Paul, who Monty Williams just trusts to just do whatever you got to do on offense, would make an adjustment of his own. And we're seeing that. They're taking away the pick and roll. They're taking away Aiton inside. And the Suns are just lighting them up from three-point range. So it looks like the Suns, are uh, uh, their offense Obviously, doing whatever
5: they please here against this Bucks defense. Yeah, and this is uh, this is interesting to note. Uh, we, we talked about the title odds moving a little bit, um, obviously in the direction of the Phoenix Suns, but it, it wasn't as drastic as maybe you would have anticipated. Uh, as at DraftKings, it was minus three hundred five and plus two forty on the buyback for the Milwaukee Bucks. I believe it opened uh, after Game One. Uh, at minus 350. So there was some intrigue there on Milwaukee with the health of Giannis coming back. BetMGM actually does live title odds as the game goes on. Wild. And the Suns are now minus 400. Yeah. So with this first half, now minus 400, and the Bucks to plus 310. So uh, that is where we stand. I mean, yeah. Uh, the, you know, as we talked about this game yesterday on the show, it's so funny to go back and think about... Uh, how each person looks at it. And I thought, you know, we weren't disagreeing necessarily because you said there would be regression from three from the Bucs, mm-hmm. which I agreed with. And that we've seen that, four for 12. But I also thought the defensive uh, mindset and the defensive changes would would happen. And that did happen, but the Bucs can't do anything offensively. And there were a couple plays during that. It was 41-all, and there were a couple plays, and I'm sure they'll point them out in the broadcast for those checking it out. Drew Holiday, so prior to uh, this particular player, I'm going to bring up, I mentioned Devin Booker shoots a three. P.J. Tucker doesn't close him out. Long rebound, goes to Devin Booker. He kicks to the corner, Mm -hmm. three-pointer. Just can't happen. Next possession, they turn it over. A run out for the Suns. Drew Holiday busts his butt back, has an incredible block. There's no one around except two Suns, and DeAndre Ayton throws down a dunk. So uh, if you want to steal a game in Phoenix... What are you doing? And I, and, what are you
6: doing? And and to add to that, Britton Forbes, what, what, like, yeah, stop. I don't know what you're doing. He gets the ball, he shoots a three, now a terrible three, and then he gets a lucky rebound kick back out to him, and he made the next three. Congratulations. But he got no business shooting the shots that, that he shot there in, in the first half. And really up and down this Bucks rotation, you're not getting the smart shots, okay? You mentioned it before. They want you to shoot the threes, right? Mm-hmm. They, they, Giannis, honest, they want you to do it. Don't do it. You know, they should have done – uh, and and I, I was screaming about this internally because we were on the air while we were watching that game one. But for the bucks,
5: go to the basket. And they did it in the first quarter. Go to the basket.
6: That's what they have to do in this second half. They have to get back to this aggressive mentality of going to the basket. Go at Aiton. Go at Crowder. Just go drive the basket. Stop shooting the threes, which they become so happy with. Go at the basket and see if you can chip away at this lead. If they pull this within four to five points at the end of the third quarter, they have a realistic shot at winning this game.
5: Yeah, we'll see how they come out. Um, I, I thought the mentality, I thought the, uh, the effort was absolutely there. I thought the game plan was There, uh, as you talked about defensively, defensively not switching. Uh, Drew Holiday was doing his thing. He did get two fouls. He went out for a little bit. Ended up finishing up the half. But he is he has been awful uh, offensively tonight, three of fourteen. So once again, it's 56 to 45. Phoenix leading by 11 at the half. So uh, obviously, you covered the first half as uh, taking a look at that. It was Phoenix minus two, uh, Mm -hmm. two and a half here uh, at Circa with a total of 108 and a half. So the under comes home at 101, and that second half line is pretty much two across the board. Bucks minus two. So add that up to what the score is right now. If you want, if you like the Bucks, you're going to play it at uh, at the, at, the uh, at plus nine. Actually, just tick down a bit. So it's now Bucks just minus one and a half. So uh-huh. some some similar theories uh, to kind of the way you're thinking there, Scott. And then a total of minus one. Or excuse me, a total of 112. So that would put the total at the game of 213. So trending towards the under full game of where it was pre-flop closing uh, at 220 and a half 221, depending on where you're
6: two twelve. So, 212, uh, so what, 212 is the total, live total. And the second half total, you said 112? 112. 112. Uh, I lean over in the second half. I'm looking at it right now. You can get 112, 112.5. 112, and a half, 112 I'm actually juiced mm-hmm. to the over. So I do like this second half to go over. Milwaukee can't shoot this poorly, and they gotta take smarter shots. Mike Budenholzer has to be telling them in the locker room just you gotta be aggressive and attack the basket, take smarter shots. And then you know what? Get to the free throw line. He complained mm-hmm. at the end of game one with the free throw disparity. They are three of six from the free throw lines in, in this game so far. That's not nearly enough free throw attempts. Now, look, the Suns haven't gotten to the free throw. It's either been it's been a relatively uh, clean game in terms of, of free throws, but you know how you get to the free throw line, Tim? You attack the basket. You get inside the paint. You mentioned they outscored them inside the paint 20 to nothing in that first quarter, and they were still only up by three points. That elevate that. Get to the basket. Get to the free throw line. Can't complain about not getting free throws if you're not attacking the basket and forcing the contact.
5: So an 11-point Suns lead at the half. And let's uh, let's take a look at the prop market uh, while we can here, as uh, as we wait for the second half to start. Uh, Devin Booker. Uh, it was interesting. Looking at the odds, who would be the game's leading scorer? Uh, because it was it was kind of all up in the air, right? Mm-hmm. Because you look at Chris Paul uh, coming off the performance that he had in Game One with 32 points. He's seven to one, or was seven to one prior to today's game, and uh, at the half he has eight. You look at Chris Middleton, who was uh, really. The bright star for Milwaukee in Game 1 at plus 280. Giannis at plus 240. And Devin Booker at plus 160. And right now at the half, you know, Giannis has 12. So he leads the way for the Bucs. And uh, his over-under tonight was 26 and a half. Chris Middleton has 4. And Drew Holiday is sitting there with 7. And then for the Suns, Devin Booker, he's got 10. Mm-hmm. Not great. Shooting great, but uh, a little bit better from 3, as you mentioned. He was 0 for his first 7. Uh, finished up 1 for 8. In, uh, in Game 1, and then Chris Paul's just got 8 points so far, and it, it certainly has been... Uh, that was the game plan, yes. was Chris Paul's not beating us. Mm-hmm. And and to be honest, DeAndre Aiden's not beating us. No. Because at the half, DeAndre Aiden has 5 points and 4 rebounds. You know, he had 10 minutes and uh, 10 points in a blink of an eye mm-hmm. in Game 1,
6: Scott. And I'm, I thought, and I talked about this with Mitch Lawrence from uh, SiriusXM uh, before the game, and, and we both agreed... We thought they would try and go to Aiton early in this game to see what the defensive switches would be like for the Milwaukee Bucks. They didn't do that. Chris Paul was feeling them out, and, and they saw that they tried to pick and roll, and then uh, they didn't switch on him, and Drew Holiday was fighting through the screens, but they didn't force-feed Aiton the basketball, which I thought they would do early and often in this game, considering his success in game 1 he has just 5 points i played the over it was at 16 and a half it, it increased 1 point from where it was in game 1 he's got 5 points i also played the over 30 of points and rebounds combined and that's not looking good right now because he's got 5 points and 4 boards i also played over 28 and a half for devin booker the reason my the reason being was i felt that The Bucs would make an adjustment defensively, which they did. And they would guard Chris Paul better, which they have done so far. And I thought Booker was going to be better from three-point range. So far, he is. He's two of five. So if I can get a couple of more threes from Booker in the second half, I actually think he can have 18
5: points or 19 points in the second half and finish this game with 30. Taking a look at going back to the prop market. I think last night, uh, if memory serves me correct, uh, I think... Our guest said that Mikhail Bridges was someone to look to the over. I could be... I could be forgetting that, but he's already hit his over. So, yeah, 13 uh, points. if you played Mikael Bridges over, you got that home 13 points. He hit three threes. He was part of the three-point shooting barrage in that first half. By the way, um, I should have played Jay Crowder over threes. I mean, yeah. you, you knew that he is yeah. so yeah. hot uh, and cold, <laughs> and he goes over five. He hits his first threes, three for four at that. Of course, he is. And then the uh, the player prop that I teased that came home in the first seven minutes yep. of the game, P.J. Tucker. Four and a half was his over/under tonight, Scott. He had seven points, just like that. Seven minutes into the game, he got those hustle points that uh, that only PJ Tucker can grab. He's already got five rebounds to, or four rebounds, excuse me. So he's almost there on his rebounds as well. So fifty-six to forty-five is where we stand at the half. Text I got before the game from uh, our buddy James Albarino,
6: spread investor. Cam Johnson over seven and a half was the prop line. He had six
5: points All so right. far. Good start <laughs> there. there. Fifty-six to forty-five, a two-point spread for the second half. The uh, two-point spread in favor of the Bucks. We'll see. We'll see if the uh, Bucks can answer the t- the bell here, because that second quarter was one to uh, crumple up and throw away. That's Scott Seidenberg. I'm Tim Murray. We're just up and running, and is the nightcap here on Visa.
1: To start listening.
5: It is a nightcap here on Vieson's second half underway, and that defensive mentality that looked so good in the first half or first quarter for the Bucks has been eliminated because nine points already. In the, in the uh, first two minutes mm-hmm. by the Phoenix Suns, Devin Booker comes down, buries a three. The hot three-point shooting continues as a team now 12 for 25. And uh, this thing is getting ugly a little bit, but 65
6: to 50. But Giannis just did what I wanted him to do. He's now getting to the free-throw line. And he attacked the basket and got some contact there. That's how they're going to have to come back at this game. Get some points at the free throw line. Get the Suns in the bonus. Get some guys off the court into foul trouble. They need to force the action here. They can't settle for bad three-pointers. They can't get into a three-point shootout here with the Suns because they will lose. They need to slow the game down. They need to attack the basket and get to the free throw line.
5: Yeah, so I I mean, I, I said it. Uh, on the air, I and did, they need to make their free throws. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I played the uh, I played the Suns in the series. Uh, I just thought tonight was uh, was a spot for them to bounce back, for them to play well. They played sure. well in the first quarter, uh, but the Suns are a better team. And yeah, we'll see what happens. And you know, we still have 22 minutes left in this game, but uh, the Suns are hitting their shots, and they came out. Uh, executing right out of the gate, total of 112 in the second half. They lead four, by 14 right now with uh, with 10 minutes to go. Uh, it is uh, it has been a impressive performance here tonight uh, by the Phoenix Suns, weathering uh, a good defensive effort in the first quarter, and now they're just. Now they're trying to put it on. Let me ask you, if
6: the Suns win this game, which is still a ways to go, but right now it looks like they're headed towards a 2-0 series lead, uh, does your opinion on the outcome of the series in terms of total games and when it's going to end, does it change? You you know where I stood. I I had Suns in five from Mm -hmm. the get-go. You said Suns in six. Yep. Does your opinion now change if you, after you're seeing them not so much going up 2-0, but the way in which they could go up 2-0 here?
5: Yeah, I, I, you try not to be a prisoner of the moment, but it, it's hard not to. Uh, if this game continues to play out the way that it that it has, it is hard not to uh, to believe it's Suns and five, or maybe even a potential sweep. I think you know Milwaukee plays so well at home, and you know even when uh, Brooklyn was full strength. They yeah. were able to win Game Three, uh, even though it was ugly, and they they held on for dear life as Kevin Durant missed a, a three pointer at the buzzer to, to almost won that game at the end of regulation with the his foot was on the line. Oh, the Game yeah. Seven, yeah, yeah. But, yeah was... Um, yeah. So this is, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how this game plays out. Um, I won't, I won't throw away my ticket just yet on the plus five, but man, it, it feels like. You know the Suns are, are the right side, and 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 you know we mentioned this last night, right? I mean there was a discrepancy at the free throw line uh, in numbers. The, the Suns shot ten more than the Bucks, which I always, you know, do you watch the full game? Is it, it can, mm-hmm. we, can we break it all down? I'm I'm always hesitant to say okay that that's obviously the, the uh, you know the obvious there. Um, but when you're at the free throw line, the Suns don't miss from there, and the Bucks are five for ten. I mean yeah. that that is such a massive. Difference, I think going back to Game 1, there was a 16-point swing mm-hmm, at mm-hmm. the free-throw line, Scott. And, uh, you know, the Suns have only been there once so far. But, uh, yeah, well, the Bucks need to buckle down and get some stops here. Devin Booker's kind of hitting in that heat-check moment, which yeah. I know you talked about and you kind of anticipated here tonight that you expected a, a big evening uh, from... Uh, from Devin Booker, and by the way, Giannis just hit a three. So yeah. great. And that's not listen. You know, honestly, that's not the
6: shot you want no, him to shoot.
5: No. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we will uh, we'll see. I mean, you know, Giannis, it, Chris Middleton. It, it is it is so crazy to just look at you know Chris Middleton and the highs and your lows you get from Chris Middleton. I I joking. Who, who did I who, um, uh, forget who it was. Who, who just ended up being oh Reggie Jackson in the Clippers mm-hmm. uh, Sun series he was consistent you know he was like 22 every single game Scott and when you look at the the log for Chris Middleton let's just go to the Atlanta series 15 15 38 16 26 32 29 in game one he's got four points right now yeah so the, the, the consistency there for a very very good player an all-star. Is just not there, and they need it to be there if they if they want to have a chance to win this series or come back tonight. He could have a great second half. We've seen him have big you know big quarters and in, uh, in this year in this uh, postseason. But yeah, they need more from they need more from Chris Middleton for sure. Yep. Uh,
6: taking a look at the props and where we stand right now. Devin Booker's got 15 points.
5: Uh, can he get me to that over 28 and a half? <laughs> he might. He's getting uh, he's getting a little toasty. Get a little warm. Giannis has just made two free throws. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's almost it's almost every time he goes to the line, Scott, he's getting one of them. Yeah,
6: but this is this is the good strategy now. They're gonna have the sun, they're gonna have the bonus real soon. So
5: you got a 7-0 run for Milwaukee, maybe some life here, and a three up. And oh wow. The Suns actually missed. It's a miracle. <laughs> we'll see. We'll keep you posted. Also, as we anticipated, we got odds for the home run derby. We'll change of pace coming up next, right
4: here on the Nightcap.
5: is your betting headquarters for UFC 264. We're bringing you in-depth analysis of the McGregor Poirier main event, plus key bouts on the undercard from our full team of experts, including Lou Finnecaro, Reed Kuhn, who will join the program uh, in uh, less than 10 minutes, and uh, Jordan Sherwood as well. Sign up for your free Vsin newsletter to receive our digital guide and tune in Saturday at noon for First Strike, our live preview show, with Dave Ross with updates from all of our fight experts. Get everything you need for betting UFC 264. Sign up now for your free UFC 264 betting guide. Head over to vsin.com/free. backslash free. It is the nightcap here on vsin Tim Murray, Scott Seidenberg with you, and it is now seventy to sixty-three, so a little bit of life okay. from the Bucks. Okay. will uh, See if we can get inside that number. I know you—you uh, you got the Suns, so you're you're humoring me a little bit. Uh, but I, I do. Uh, but you know what the interesting thing is—the pace right there. How about this? You thought your total was dead. Yeah. Your live total right now back to two twenty-one and a half. We're okay. Yeah, So are You know, it's uh, it, it's been a it's been a wild night to say the least. Uh, the range, of swings of momentum and swings of emotions because Scott and I are on the opposite sides of both of these plays. Now, ultimately, you know, I played two twenty one and a half right out of the shoot. As the time went on, didn't feel great about it, and then I took the five. Uh, we talked about five and a half. I, I waited too long. Ended up grabbing the five, and it dipped down to four, four and a half. Uh, and uh, we're seeing a little bit of life now here from Giannis. Here's what we want. We want the Suns to win by five
6: and the total to land on 221. So you'll hit your under. I'll hit my over. <laughs> and we'll push on the others. And I'll, no, I got four and a half. So oh, I'll okay. win and then you can
5: get the the, the bucks plus the five. <laughs> so that's, we're all
6: happy if that happens. We will. Uh, very
5: communal. Here. We'll see if we can get there. So 70 to 63. Um, yeah. Uh, Jim Root, friend of the program, he said, what if Giannis' teammates helped him? <laughs> uh, you know, it's a uh, it's a it's a novel concept. Considering Chris Middleton hasn't attempted a shot here in the second half, he remains with just four points. Uh, Drew Holiday has now ten. He's four of sixteen from the field. You know, Drew Holiday has played uh, pretty well uh, defensively. But offensively, just not there. Giannis right now with 25 points and uh, 10 rebounds. So he's already got a double-double. So you can cash that if you laid the heavy juice at minus 375. And now, uh, if you're looking at who would be the game's leading scorer, Giannis at plus 240. uh, If you played that, you're feeling pretty good uh, because he he has tried to take things over, keep Milwaukee in this game. And, you know... You gotta have your other pieces step up. Mm -hmm. It's just it's just not been there from Chris Middleton, who does have the capabilities of taking games over, but. Uh, we'll we'll see if he can do it here. Eight-point game with uh, 6.13 to yeah, go. Yeah,
6: kicking myself a little bit uh, because I, I was so bullish on the Devin Booker point prop, thinking that he was going to have a big night tonight, that I went over on Devin Booker. I should have went over on Giannis. That was a free bet. Uh, you know, Giannis, is, the number was at 26.5. A
5: yeah, we talked and, about it a little mm-hmm. bit last night. We were saying, is this a spot to play on him? As hey, Chris Middleton hits a three. Well, what do you know? We're within the number, we've got ourselves a basketball game, uh, 71 to 66, uh, with the Suns leading by five. Remember, unbeaten this postseason. Now, here's the thing: last game, game uh game one, mm-hmm. the Bucks got it down to seven. Yep. And then the Suns just went off, went nuclear, and ended up having a 20-point lead uh, later. So we'll see. Uh the Suns do a really good job of of responding and Just on cue, Chris Paul buries a corner three. Yeah, and Chris
6: Paul now creeping up towards his point total because I believe he's got 16 now uh, for the game, and uh, Devin Booker is just sitting there at 15 points. DeAndre ayton has got six, and he's got uh, seven rebounds. So uh, some of these guys creeping up towards their points and rebounds props. Uh, I actually played over 30 points plus rebounds for DeAndre Ayton, so I mean, maybe I can get a couple more rebounds and backdoor my way into uh, the points, but uh, not looking likely right now. They don't appear to be going to him offensively. They appear to be just gun ho uh, about going after that three point shot, which is doing them good right yeah. now.
5: 14 of 29. Yeah, and that's uh, we talked about. Um, the Bucks outscored the Suns 20 to nothing in the paint in the first quarter, only led by three because. The Suns went eight of fourteen from beyond the arc. So free throws coming here for Giannis. You know, one thing we'll talk to JVT after this game concludes. So a little bit later on uh, in the evening, uh, in about an hour or so. uh, But you know, one thing we talked to JVT about throughout the season and why he wasn't a big believer in the Bucks to uh, to win the title was their three point defense, Mm. and it was one of the worst in the league. And that's showing here tonight. It has been it's been a clinic of ball movement by the Suns to get these open looks. And I feel like the Bucks have done, you know, they've keyed in on Chris Paul and the pick and roll, and they've done a pretty good job there. But they've led to a lot of open threes, and that's why you see the Phoenix Suns, uh, they're 14 of 29, uh, from the free throw, or from three.
6: Uh, I'm still surprised to see the way Giannis is playing, and he just missed two free throws, so he's still stuck at the 25 points. But he, he has he's hit the he's hit the deck a bunch tonight. Uh, he's been grabbing the knee a bunch tonight. And, and when I looked at him in game one versus what I expected to see in game two, the the thought process was you know coming back from that injury, which I thought he was done as soon as I saw the hyper extension, yep. but. You can go off of adrenaline for a Game 1 of the NBA Finals. but And after that game, though, the wear and tear of playing that game, having the one day of rest... I was curious to see how his body and how his knee would respond after playing so many minutes in Game 1. So far, he's looked good here in Game 2, but he has been grabbing at it. He's hit the deck, as I mentioned, a couple of times and uh, struggling from the free throw line, which uh, is expected from him. So I think it's something to monitor moving forward, seeing how he handles this. And I would not be surprised, Tim, if we find out that there is significant damage to that knee after this Finals is over.
5: Yeah, hopefully not. Uh, mm-hmm. Certainly, hopefully yeah, that is not the case. Uh, but it is a seven-point lead right now. As I mean, that's just a horrendous shot. I mean, Chris Middleton is—that is, I mean, it's just a—it's an awful game. I, it yeah, really is. The, he he tried. You know, he comes down and and just tries to pull, and you know. I, I always am a, a believer, Scott. Of when you do, when you make poor slash dumb decisions mm-hmm. in basketball, mm-hmm. you, you they pay for them. You know, we talked about the lack of hustle on uh, on, a, on a Devin Booker three. PJ Tucker doesn't box him out. He gets the rebound, kicks to the corner. Jay Crowder three. We just saw it right there on that possession, Scott. It's a seven point game. You just got to stop. And Chris Middleton comes down and pulls a contested three when he's shooting two for. 10 uh, in the game, and what happens? A breakout. Chris Paul finds Devin Booker, three-pointer from the corner, and just like that, it's a 10-point game. That has been the Achilles heel all night for the
6: Bucks. And, and you talked about it. It happened in game one. They pulled to within seven, and then the Suns pulled away.
5: Ten-point lead right now for the Phoenix Suns, 79 to 69, with four minutes to go in the third quarter. We'll turn our attention to a monster event here in town, at UFC 264. We'll talk about that next, right here on the Nightcap. searches through millions of resumes in indeed's database to deliver candidates who fit your job description instantly more at indeed.com slash credit late third quarter about three and change to go it is a a 79 to 71 81 to 7 offensive rebound yep it is the bucks just can't get out of their own way it's you get a stop and you trip over your own feet it is uh it's embarrassing. Being outplayed by a better team—that's it. All comes down to eighty-one to seventy-one is the score. Phoenix leading the Bucks, but a monster event here in Las Vegas this weekend. As oh yeah, Garth be. Brooks. Yeah, yeah.
6: That, th- a monster event. That yeah.
5: is uh, that is one of the monster yeah. events across oh, the street. Oh, oh On I the thought, sports right. side of things. Okay. Okay. It is Told UFC two sixty four, and uh, one of our great insiders uh, covering UFC is Reed Kuhn, and he joins us. Right now, read uh, so many ways to look at it. I, you know, I'll just start with the the obvious. You know, we, despite the anticipation of Conor Ma- money coming in, we've seen the market move in Poirier's favor. Uh, last time we saw it, you know, second round knockout uh, by Poirier as he kept, you know, attacking the leg of Connor McGregor. Um, what type of uh, what type of game plan do you anticipate from Poirier's camp and Poirier heading into this fight? Because he clearly had um, you know one plan in mind last time. Is he going to go back to the well similar uh, type of style with uh, attacking that front leg of uh, of Conor McGregor?
7: That's a million dollar question. I don't know if he's going to go after the leg kicks. They did work very effectively, um, and when you invest in them in the first round in a five round fight. The chances that you're going to do some damage eventually is very good. And he did a lot of damage just in one round. Uh, It didn't get out of the second, but I think the more important question is, is are we going to see a ground game from Poirier? Because both these guys line up on paper as two of the most accurate strikers in the division. They're, they're both very aggressive. They're both very accurate and they both have a lot of knockdown power and just the ability to find the chin but we didn't see a ton of control time from Poirier. We saw a little bit. I think he did land one takedown early, but that's where there's a bigger asymmetry here. If you just line these two guys up and let them trade leather, it's hard to say on any given Saturday night, um, McGregor might have gotten that knockout too. I mean, he landed some hard blows early. So I think the question really is about the ground game this
6: time. Reid, I've been asking everybody the same question when it comes to Conor McGregor and this fight. Is his career on the line? Should he lose this fight, first time losing back-to-back in his career, and given his age and where he's at with his businesses, his family, and just the results you've seen in the octagon, could it be a career ender for him losing? And if he wins, you know, where do, what does that mean for him? So I guess the big question, is his career on the line Saturday night?
7: His fight career is uh, probably, I think if he does lose, there's not a whole lot to come back for. Um, This is not a game where you can gracefully grow old and less motivated and lack of motivation might've been behind the first loss. He just isn't going to train the way he might have when he was much hungrier and younger and didn't have everything he has now. I think with all the money, he's effectively the richest guy in MMA as a fighter And it takes a lot of a motivation to get in the cage every day and put in that grind. So I do think if he has back-to-back losses, there's not a lot of reason to come back. Uh, It would just have to be purely personal. And I just don't see it being that fun for someone to go through this process and weight cutting and all that. But obviously, he will make a splash somewhere else, um, not fighting in the cage. I uh, I think he stays involved in the sport. Maybe he becomes the godfather of... All of Irish MMA for decades to come. Um, but if he loses, I do think I, I just question why he would come back. Um, he's coming back this time clearly to right a wrong, to complete the trilogy, um, to get one back because he doesn't like to end on a loss and he's a highly confident guy. That's part of his motivation. If he loses, I don't think he's coming back.
5: Talking to Reed Kuhn at Fightnomics on uh, Twitter. So with that said, uh, you, you know, you, you mentioned it's hard to be motivated. We've heard, I think Dana White has said that, uh, to, to, to keep the grind up when, when you have so much money in the bank account and you've got so many things positively going for you. But there is that, you know, sense of pride where uh, you, he was certainly, you know, embarrassed uh, in the last time these two fought. So so how do you see this fight unfolding? Do you agree with the fact that the line has moved in the favor so far, we'll see what happens this weekend, of Dustin Poirier uh, as this one was, uh, you know, opened around a pick and now you look at Poirier at minus 140?
7: I, I do agree with the line movement and I would support Poirier maybe at this price just a small bit. I think this is definitely not going to be my biggest bet of the weekend. Um, And the first time I did take Poirier because I saw so much value in the price. He was a much bigger, well, he was an actual underdog and he was a pretty sizable one. So that was a pretty good return. Even though numerically, if you really crunch the numbers on this, it comes out pretty even. So in a coin flip environment, obviously, I'm going to take someone at plus 200. Now that it's swung a little bit more in his favor, it's, it's a little bit better than a coin flip for Poirier, there's still not a lot of value there. So I agree with the line movement but I also would not agree if it goes too much further.
6: Is this fight going to end with a knockout, and it, will it end before we get to the third round?
7: I do, think, I do think the way that these guys strike, they are at some point going to heat up, and leather is going to fly. I don't see this going five rounds. The over-under on three, though, is a lot trickier, because I think now they've learned some lessons here. Uh, McGregor for one certainly has learned that he is mortal and little leg kicks can add up and they can change the outcome of a fight. Um, I think he'll be more careful. And if Poirier is starting to use the wrestling, that might win rounds, uh, but it also sort of stalls and delays the inevitable. Hmm. So I think it will take a while to build. I think two and a half or three rounds uh, is, is a tough total to try to thread the needle on that. I do think it ends within five. But I'm probably going to avoid the the total um, unless I'm taking it inside the
5: distance play. Talk once again to Reed Kuhn. All right, Reed, you said your your biggest bet might come down uh, further down the card. So what's catching your eye uh, on the undercard?
7: Uh, yeah, you've got a former welterweight champion in Carlos Condit uh, fighting as an underdog against someone who simply has not faced the same level of talent. So I think he's a live dog right there. He's he he kind of rebounded uh, recently but was on a big, long skid. But again, he was fighting top guys. Um, so Carlos Condit over Max Griffin, I'm gonna take the plus money on that one. I think that's a, a reasonable play. In terms of favorites, uh, we're backing Jen Maya pretty substantially. I know she was, last I checked, hovering around minus 200. Yeah. Um, we still saw value on that price. So we're probably gonna be still be backing her even at that price. Uh, and another one is Omari Akmedov. Um, over Brad Tavares. And that's also mild plus money. Um, but in a near coin flip, I'm going to take that plus money if it's juicy enough.
6: Speaking of a near coin flip, uh, you know, Greg Hardy uh, at plus 110. Could that be an appealing play for you on Saturday night?
7: Probably not. Um, I backed him earlier in his career. Uh, I did analyze him actually um, against his division, scouting out particular matchups. And in his most recent loss, I was on the other side. Mm. So I feel like the math here has a pretty good bead on him and what he brings to the table. That fight is going to go standing and they are going to hit each other until one of them falls down. (laughs) Um, But I think Tui Tubasa, uh, Tai Tubasa is the better striker, technical. Uh, He hits extremely hard. He can take a shot He's less damaged overall in his career. I mean, remember Greg Hardy was playing football before he was getting punched in the head. Sure. Um, that's not great for brain health. So I do think he's maybe damaged, um, and he's just he has a, a steeper hill to climb in terms of picking up the technical skills. So I'm I'm going to be on Tuvasa on that one.
5: Check, uh, chatting once again with Reed Kuhn, uh, who does a phenomenal job uh in the UFC the the co-main event uh Burns and Thompson right now Burns at plus 140 Thompson minus 160 favorite uh looking at over under of two and a half rounds with the uh, under being the uh the underdog here in this spot so Reed um I, I don't know if this is uh something that you have a play on but h- how do you look uh at this uh co-main event
7: I do have a play here. It's not a huge one. This card overall is a little bit more mild than I'm, I'm used to seeing mm-hmm. in terms of just the edges that we're seeing. Um, but I do like the underdog side here. I think Gilbert Burns, his ground game is underutilized. And when he gets drawn into a, a striking contest, it, things don't always go his way. He, he usually overcomes it. He actually does do reasonably well as a striker. He hits pretty hard. Um, but against Wonderboy Thompson, I mean, this guy is one of the best long range strikers. He has an incredible ability to control the cage and keep that distance. And he does have pretty good takedown defense. It's not flawless, but it's above average. It's 78% average is somewhere around 60. Um, so he's got good deep takedown defense, but if Gilbert Burns really commits to the ground game, it's going to be a, a very different ball game because he has very good submissions, very good wrestling. He dominated Tyron Woodley, former champion. Um, that was his most impressive performance. Stephen Thompson is not going to survive on the ground with Burns. Um, I just hope that Burns has the fight IQ to realize that. And, if, and even if he does want to test his hands a little bit with Thompson, which he could do, you know, Thompson has been dropped five times. Um, I, I just hope Burns realizes that there's two levels to the cage and he can take it to the mat.
6: Final thing, Reid is—is there a? Well, final thing for me is there a higher-priced dog that you think is worth a sprinkle here? I'm not talking about a full unit bet, but somebody that you're, you know, maybe put a half unit on.
7: Uh, just among the matchups that I have visibility into, and and I need to only analyze fighters where I have some statistical history. They've actually been around, so that's a that's a little more than half of this card. Um, Carlos Condit is actually going to be our biggest favorite so overall the lines are pretty tight on the matchups that I'm looking at um, and whether it's I, I don't know whether it's Burns or Condit or Akhmedov um, those are all dog plays mm-hmm. uh, I'm not sure where the prices are going to land after weigh tomorrow that's when I really make a commitment um, but right now it's looking like Condit.
5: He is Reed Kuhn you can follow him at Fightnomics on Twitter. Reed great stuff man appreciate it.
7: Thanks for joining me in my bar. I did that intentionally for you guys. <laughs> there he is. We Cheers. We appreciate
5: it. For the nightcap, we get the uh, the bar look there. We'll get you updated on uh, what is happening in Phoenix next right here on the nightcap.
0: MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And
1: I'm Anissa Ferreira.
0: The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally
1: here. And this season takes it to a whole new level.